0: Good morning and welcome to Storehouse 7 Ministries with me, Chris Wicklands. We're looking through the book of Revelation. If I sound tired, it's because I am. It's early in the morning and I've got to get through this series and I don't seem to have a lot of time of late, so um, please forgive me. Um, Okay, so we're going to look at Revelation chapter 16 and there's two parts to this and today we're beginning with part one. Uh, and as you'll notice, we're getting through them much quicker now because a lot of things that have needed to be said have already been said. So we can just get on and comment on the verses rather than going into the big backstory. Uh, and that's why things are speeding up a bit, uh, which is good for me because this, this has been going on for a long time. Verse one then. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So here we have, I assume, the voice of God from within the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies now giving the angels command to finally unleash the last of God's judgments upon all those who follow the beast and his system. Then into verse two. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Now, what's important to note here is that This bowl of wrath is only poured out upon those that have the mark of the beast and worship his image. This implies that all those who do not have the mark or bow down to the beast or his image and statue will not be harmed by the punishment of God. So here we need to start to understand again a primary cipher link from the Old Testament to the New and to understand Revelation we must always get our cipher key from the Old Testament to unlock us Sorry, to unlock and help us to understand the new. So the cipher key for this chapter in the book of uh, Revelation is from the book of Exodus. Now, this book will help us to see consistent links and themes as well as theology, which will help us understand better the eschatology of Revelation. So let's take a look (coughs) at some of these links between the two, um, between Exodus and Revelation, especially this chapter and these judgments. So we start with Exodus 9 8 to 12. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron Take for yourselves handfuls of soot from a kiln, and let Moses throw it towards the sky in the sight of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and will become boils breaking out with sores on man and beast through all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from a kiln and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses threw it towards the sky, and it became boils breaking out with sores on man and beast. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians as well as upon all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. We have. Similar issues in the book of Exodus, uh, have, well, not necessarily issues, but similar um, likenesses in the book of Exodus as we have in Revelation. And here are a few of those potential points. Pharaoh believed himself to be a god and thus wanted and required people's worship. This is also true of the Antichrist. The Hebrews were terribly and brutally oppressed under the Egyptian regime, as it will likely be under the beast system. God poured out his wrath upon Egypt while sparing the Hebrews. And at the end of days, God's wrath will fall on the people with the mark of the beast. But those with the seal of God will be spared his wrath. Only after the destruction of Egypt, its gods and political system, did God remove the Hebrews from out of Egypt. And again, only after God has destroyed the beast, his systems and beast idolatry with the people of God come into their promised land, i.e., Jesus ruling and reigning from Israel over the nations, ushering in universal peace where the true God man rules the earth. Revelation 16, three, then the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became blood like that of a dead man. And every living thing in the sea died. Now we need to be cognizant of something very important here. Israel as a nation with her own country was really born out of, of the exodus of Egypt. And as the Red Sea parted, so the waters were broken like a woman in labor. As the waters were broken, Israel passed through the waters <clears throat> from the womb of the Red Sea into her now new national identity with God, making a covenant with her as a nation and giving her the Torah and the land of Israel. Now in John chapter 3, Jesus talks to Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, and spoke to him about being born again but Jesus wasn't merely talking about people getting saved as Christians understand it rather that the nation of Israel needed to be born again the first time in the exodus she was born and became God's kingdom people. But that now Messiah Jesus had come, she needs to be born as a nation again through adversity and trials and again go through the birth pangs and pains until Israel as a nation is born again from the womb of adversity and becomes a people of the new and renewed covenant so that they can be God's peculiar treasure and people and rule over the nations with their Messiah during the millennial rule, just as God has promised in the ancient scriptures. Here are just a few. <clears throat> I have to say this because it will go in the book: Amos nine eleven to fifteen, Isaiah fifty six six to seven, Jeremiah three sixteen to seventeen, thirty verse eighteen, thirty one twenty verses twenty one to thirty eight, Ezekiel chapter thirty six verses twenty eight to thirty eight, chapters forty to forty eight, Micah chapter four verses one to two, chapter seven verse eleven zechariah one seventeen chapter two, one to five, as in verses one to five, chapter three, verses one to eight, chapter six, verses nine to fifteen, chapter eight, verses three to twenty three etc, etc, etc. There's lots of verses on this subject, so this second bowl is a catastrophic plague, killing every creature in the sea. Now, the stench from such a sea would be disgusting and would probably be unbearable um to to, just to to look upon and it would just be unbearable you couldn't sail upon it i i don't know what a ship would be like sailing on blood but i can't imagine it's pleasant this plague would single-handedly destroy the earth's oceans overnight also destroyed oceans would be catastrophic to the world's weather systems And this is a huge devastating blow to the Antichrist as his miracle worker like Pharaohs in the book of Exodus cannot undo these plagues of God. Revelation 16.4 Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs of waters and they became blood. This time God's wrath is poured out upon all sources of drinking water. Without such basics, humanity will die. Again, like the story of Exodus, the saints will drink clear water, but those with the mark will be unable to drink anything. Man, you know, thinks he's so strong, proud and mighty, yet a simple drought in our time can bring him to his knees and remind him that he is not so great after all. Not even Satan... Not even the Antichrist and the Miracle Worker can do anything to undo these simple plagues, making them realise that they are not so awesome and powerful as they first believed. This plague is a devastating blow to humanity who received the mark of the beast, and this plague will come many, will cause many to die from thirst. The question needs to be asked here, why turn seas and waters to blood? The same reason why they were turned to blood in the Exodus story, The death of the innocents. All the children drowned in the Nile under Pharaoh's rule. The blood of the innocents will be the drink for those who kill them. Today with abortion we slaughter 50 million babies per year. This in part is why our oceans will be turned to blood. The poured out blood of the innocents, the saints and the prophets will be given to the world to drink. Revelation sixteen five to seven And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O holy one, because you judged these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, and they deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true, and righteous are your judgments. <clears throat> now in verse seven it states I heard the altar saying, yes, O Lord God, the almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So what does it mean when it says I heard the altar saying? Well, if you remember, in Revelation chapter six, we read about the martyrs underneath the altar crying out for justice for their shed blood. Let's take a quick look at that. Revelation six, verses nine to 11. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. And because of the testimony which they had maintained and they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell upon the earth? And there was given each of them a white robe and they were told that you should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So clearly. In Revelation 16:7, it's not obviously the altar itself talking, but the great crowd of martyrs who are now praising God for the righteous judgments of God upon the earth. I say, obviously, well, you never know with the Book of Revelation, do you? <laughs> it could be the altar speaking, but I, I assuming, I am assuming that it is the voices of the martyrs that are under the altar that's speaking. <clears throat> Revelation 16 verses 8 to 9: The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun. And it was given it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent so as to give him glory. I think I need to make something really clear here. This is not an extremely hot day upon the earth. This is a supernatural judgment that scorches people, i.e. burning them, possibly setting the people on fire in agony. Clothes would melt onto people's flesh. This is a terrible judgment upon wicked mankind. This is a glimpse of what awaits them in hell if they do not repent. However, mankind has become so evil, hard and demonized, that instead of calling out to God in repentance, they only blaspheme his sacred name and many will die in their blasphemies. Revelation 6, 10 to 11. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Again, we see yet another link to the Exodus story here. You will note that somehow this darkness causes pain, similar to Exodus, where it was a darkness that could be felt, i.e., it was tangible to the touch upon human flesh. Exodus 1021 and the Lord said unto Moses, "Stretch out thine hand toward heaven that they that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which can be felt. This darkness and revelation is not only tangible to the flesh and can be touched, but it also causes great pain and discomfort. This darkness could be from hell itself and is thus likely causing agony of soul as well as that of flesh the gospels mention this part of hell known as the outer darkness matthew twenty-five thirty: throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth well that's quite sobering stuff from the book of revelations book of Revelation, sorry but You know, those plagues are not for Christians to to fear. They only come upon the unrighteous. They only come upon those who have the mark of the beast. But those that are sealed with the seal of God will be protected from such things at that time. Although Christians will not be protected from persecution, we will be protected from God's judgments. And I know some Christians find this hard and difficult to understand. Why would God allow his church to go through such grueling times? But let's not forget, historically, the church has also been through such gruelling times of torture and persecution via the Roman Empire and via persecution uh, that has gone on throughout the whole world, throughout all the ages and is going on right now uh, around the world, especially in the Middle East. But the but I get the sense that when these judgments are poured out, it will be even for the saints upon the earth, for all they have to endure, they will see these things as the goodness and the righteousness of God upon the wicked people for their evil deeds. But also it's a silent indicator that the end is nigh and that Jesus' return is imminent. So please, as you listen to this series, don't, don't become fretful or fearful, but actually be filled with comfort and joy, knowing that your God is for you and he's not against you and he will deliver you. And he will protect you. And even if you have to die for your faith. Know that wonderful scripture. Oh death where is your sting? Because you see even as death as painful as it may be. It is only for a short moment. And then you are into your eternal joy. And with your beautiful father. With the beautiful son and the beautiful Holy Spirit. And all the saints forever. And knowing that you wear the martyr's crown. And knowing that you are a hero of the kingdom of God, because you love the Lord so much that you love not your life, even unto death. God bless you all. I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.